Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is so many shows from the Front Row Network, the pop culture hub for NPR Illinois. I will say uh, we are hosting a Beyond the Mouse and also a Marvel HQ and a full disclosure. This is a three shot right here. And I'm joined by two co-hosts that I don't often get a chance to combine into one show. (laughs) I have my Beyond the Mouse co-host, Brett Rutherford. How are you, sir? Very good. Thank you. It's very exciting. And I have, oh, go ahead. No, it's just very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. And company. I also have my Peanut Butter and Biscuits co-host, the host of Marvel HQ, also the founder of the Front Row Network <laughs> and the editor-in-chief of said network, Lord. Jeremy Gackner. How are you? I've got more names than the Mighty Thor at this point, um, but <laughs> uh, I am very excited about this. Uh, full disclosure, uh, MCUHQ and uh, BTM mix-up mashup here because this film just spans so many different things. So we are going to have a lot of fun today. That is right. Marvel is ruling the world for sure. But what we like to do in these full disclosures is right up front, talk about the movie without spoiling it. And then that way we can tell people if we recommend that they go out and see this film. And I'll say that this has a bit of controversy around it. It has a lower Rotten Tomato score than most Marvel films. It also did not get an A in the cinema score from the audiences. And so people are saying, has Marvel lost their touch? So we are going to go to the two of you first to ask, has Marvel lost their touch? Should people go out and see this film? But Jeremy, you got to take this first. I don't know. I mean, $143 million still sounds like a lot of money to me personally. <laughs> but now look, here's the thing, guys. Like Marvel is at this point, they have not lost anything. Like movies are movies. Some people are going to love them. Some people are going to hate them. And especially when you're dealing with an auteur filmmaker like Taika Waititi, all right, there's going to be some polarizing things on each side of it, especially when you're playing in a sandbox like Marvel that everybody is so invested in. All right. So you have two groups of fans. You have ones that will just go with it, sort of find what to enjoy and find, find the way to enjoy everything. Hell, I even found some joy in Eternals. I really did um and you have the people who are going to be just so gung-ho for what they wanted to see that they can't even fathom anything else and so when they don't get it they're disappointed look this film i think is a lot of fun i think that there is so much fun here and i think like most taika watiti films the reasons why you would not like it are sort of emblematic of how he does filmmaking um, but at the end of the day, it's still the Marvel formula here. We still get some insane action. It's hilarious. Like we want our Thor films to be since Ragnarok. And it extends the universe even further, like even further than I thought it would. Like the universe continues to expand out almost exponentially uh, and definitely from this film. So no, Marvel has not lost their touch. Uh, maybe some people don't like certain ways this film was edited together. But come on, guys, just just go and have some fun as well what i say all right i think that that's uh succinctly kind of where i'm at with a lot of this too you know the the jokes i will say did not necessarily always land for me and i'm one that likes a good dad joke but taika has a particular type of humor and it's present throughout i mean there are instances where there's callbacks to jokes 
throughout the entire <laughs> film. And we'll talk a bit that more in the spoiler territory, what those jokes are, but they didn't always land for me at the same time. This was just a really fun and refreshing Marvel film. I enjoyed the exploration of the characters. I also really enjoyed Natalie Portman's role as mighty Thor, because we saw her, you know, they didn't hide it. They could have uh, kind of kept Jane Foster quiet but clearly in the marketing, they led with her as being the mighty Thor. And you never like you don't know how they're going to adapt the comic books and bring that into the film. And I will tell you, I think that they did that in a beautiful way that was touching and that allowed for that chemistry, that spark between our two main characters to really reignite in a way that was really fun to watch on screen. So I absolutely would suggest this film. Honestly, probably one of my favorite Marvel films in the last couple of years, honestly, since Endgame, because it's just, it was a nice breath of fresh air for me. And I really enjoyed, Hemsworth is Thor. And he said that he <laughs> wants to play Thor until he dies. And so I'm I'm down with that, not him dying. Uh, but him <laughs> continuing to play Thor. But Brett, what about you? Non-spoilers, where are you at with this film? Okay, well, you know, with summer movies, I kind of, it's not that I give them a pass, but I do grade them on a different scale. Um, did I have a good time? And I did. So um, so I will say Marvel um, has given us a summer movie. <laughs> okay, so it's a slightly different scale than maybe even some of the other MCU films. Is that what you're getting at? Yes, in the non-spoiler territory, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I would say that, you know, like, I know a lot of our audience has probably already gone out there and seen this film, but you really should go and check this out. I think it continues to expand the ethos, like uh, Jeremy was saying. Jeremy, how long is Phase 4 going to be? <laughs> About 15 years, it seems, at this point. I don't know. Like, Kevin Feige has put out there that there is an endpoint to Phase 4 before they get into Phase 5, but... As I've said on MCOHQ and everywhere else, I think that the main plan of, of Phase 4 right now is to expand out as far as possible, get as many new players on the board, um, not even just to set up where I think they're going, but also just to kind of give the audience a fresh new variety. We've had 10 years of pretty much the same, you know, not small number, but limited number of people that have been in this universe. And now like with each new post credit scene with each new, um, you know, TV sh uh, series that's going out on Disney plus, we're getting not just one hero, but oftentimes two, three, four more potential heroes from those. So I think that, you know, ultimately with this film, you know, we've really started and continued this exploration of the gods and of spirituality in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you can see almost a direct through line from it, from even, you know, Thanos's snap in Infinity War all the way, especially to Moon Knight, to Ms. Marvel. Um, you know, we are getting really into this idea of spirituality and the realms of the, and, and, you know, we're going to get into it in spoilers once we talk about Omnipotent City, but it seems like there's many, many, many gods that are out there. And I like that we're going a little more abstract a little more crazy a little more into the simons and jack kirby uh, era of marvel because it's kind of i think a good way to how do i want to say this it's kind of a good way to abstract some of the things that's going on in our world today and kind of make a commentary on that as well and again i can get more into that later brett if someone asks if you're a god 
you say yes. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe not that, with right? maybe we, not with Gore running around, my we, man. We learned, yeah, well, maybe yeah. maybe not with Christian Bale. He is menacing in this film. Yeah, a great villain. Oh my but god! I think it's time to start we to get to into get spoiler that, talk, yeah. and then yeah. that way we can really dive deep into this. So if you have not seen this film, go out there, grab Molnir, and go check out this movie. <laughs> and then once you're done, come back for a spoiler talk, which will begin in three, two. One. Lots of death. He's there. <laughs> He's here. He's there. He's <laughs> every effing where. Roy Kent is in this film. How did this I know that this is what you wanted to talk about? Yeah. We don't need to take oh any other God. time away from. We really uh, are. This is the fourth part HQ. of this. Really? Let's just talk about Roy Kent and speculate about his role as Hercules, <laughs> which really? is in that mid credit scene. No, I, of oh, course, am kidding. We will Brett. get there. It's okay. Uh, we will convince you someday Indulge to check out Lasso. Just go right ahead because that's what everyone wants to here. We are going to get there, and we are going to cut, cut this that section for peanut butter and biscuits. But <laughs> it is so funny. It's so funny because uh, I'll tell you, Brett was just sitting there in the theater next to Jeremy and I, and both of us are like giddy and like giggling. <laughs> and I had to finally like turn to Brett and be like, "He's in Ted Lasso." And he was like, oh, <laughs> I got you. Oh, <laughs> but no, let's actually dive into spoilers of the film. And then we can yeah. talk about Brett Goldstein and how great he will be in the role of Hercules later. But Brett, now that you are in spoiler territory, maybe I'll ask you the same question I asked before. Are you grading this on a curb as far as the uh, MCU films are concerned? Uh, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. Okay, <laughs> so going, you... I'm keeping it on a summer because I was ready for first impressions, and this is—I mean, this is very painful because, uh, yeah. What? Okay, what was it? Yeah, my first impressions. Well, three words. Well, meh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I'm like going. It's it, it it. I don't know. I wanted so much more of this film, and I don't. Did I set myself up? I don't know. I'm like going, and now I've watched it 1.75 times, and uh, <laughs> I'm like going, oh, so you probably need to. And again, you know, you two especially are, you know, I mean, the uh, nerds, big nerds. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but you know so much about it, and I really come to this just as a Marvel fan, and really sort of Marvel came into my world when I started watching the films, even before they were purchased by, you know, they became <laughs> in an actual property of my favorite company. And uh, so, so I see it as a fan. And so that's how I've, you know, grown to um, understand and appreciate this Marvel universe, as they say. Um, and so I'm just going to keep this on the summer movie level. And I had a good time but i do have things to say <laughs> what is it that you um expected from the movie that maybe it didn't deliver on I, i'm interested mm, well i think that thor ragnarok set up you know such a high expectation for this which i think is probably what a lot of people are thinking and where they might be slightly well not as happy as they were walking out of thor ragnarok that's kind of where i was you know i mean i uh, the directors, I love the director's work, you know, his non, you know, I mean, his Jojo rabbit was amazing, you know, so I get him. I just think that there was so much going on and he wanted to accomplish so much and, um, yeah, didn't, should have 
I don't know. It was kind of like a joy ride where maybe at some point, which I'm for, I'm for a joy ride, you know, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe at some point the designated driver should have taken over and not stayed out of, you know, just found a couple of lanes to go into and not everywhere. Just well, and it's thoughts. one of our shortest MCU films in forever. It clocks in yeah. right at an hour and 59 minutes. And okay. I, you know, I think I need to go back and watch Ragnarok because this is probably the most controversial thing I'll say on this show. I have not watched Ragnarok since I saw it in the theaters because it was kind of a man movie for me. Like, and I know that people say that that's one of the best what? MCU films, but like the, other than the gladiator scene, I that film I've almost entirely forgotten. And so oh I think that maybe it's just like, depending on kind of what perspective or what, where you're coming from. Uh, and I had read some of the Jason Aaron comics, but not like a ton of them, uh, the mighty Thor, Thor run. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's, so Jeremy, where are you at with all of this kind of in your first impressions, or this is the first time you get to ch- chat about spoilers as well. I know. I do kind of like that. We're starting with the negative so we can just, uh, you know, get to the positive after <laughs> like end strong. No, no but there, there might so, be more. <laughs> so there, there's a couple of things that did stick out to me. And one is, you know, I think that one of the problems here, and I know this is funny that I'm going to say this, um, is that I think too much of this film was cut. Um, and I and I think that this is funny because Taika Waititi famously just put out a, a quote to um, I think Deadline or something that said like Deadline, yeah. yeah he's not into director's cuts he doesn't want them because he's like directors need to be reined in and stuff and I think that you know that that's a, a sound sentiment but I think what I'm missing here in this movie is Craig you're right this is a prolific performance from Christian Bale in this movie I mean he is absolutely astounding uh, I'm convinced he and Daniel Day Lewis are probably the best living actors we have today. Um, just because of his ability to just kind of get into this character and emote and being a massive fan of the Jason Aaron run and the Gore, the God Butcher run. You know, I I remember like when this film opened, I looked over at you and I said like, oh God, they're starting here Um, because there is a little bit more in the Aaron run like that leads up to this scene. And I was like, oh man, if they're going to start with the death of his daughter, I'm going to really lose it here because, you know, kids ruin everything. But um you know, part of what I miss in this film is I think that we don't get enough time with Gore. I don't think that we get enough to know like how big of a threat he is to these gods. Now, I think, and I think that that is a casualty of the editors of this film. Now, that might be studio interference in that or whatever. Um, that sounds bad interference, but like you know, that might just be like. Because there's famously, uh, Christian Bale gave an interview and he said that he shot scenes with Peter Dinklage. He shot scenes with Jeff Goldblum in this. And he even shot scenes with Lena Headey, who is a role that literally doesn't exist anywhere um, in the marketing or anything. And in fact, her talent agency sued her because they, yeah, because of that. Her. So it's just like, that's not her fault, I don't think. But I think that there was... Um, a pretty good chunk of the first act of this movie that was probably Gore's reign of terror over the gods. And I think that if we see a little bit more of that, that makes Zeus's apprehension in Omnipotent City better. It makes the terror uh, that the Guardians encounter in those uh, voicemails and in those distress calls. Um, it makes that a lot big, a lot more uh, pr- prescient. And again, it really gives the terror factor that when Gore then comes to New Asgard, 
all of a sudden, like, you know, Thor has an idea of who this guy is and how dangerous he is and why it's very, very, um, you know, uh, important for him to get there and defend uh, the newest Guardians. So, you know, I think that there was like a good 15 minutes of this film that we could have added in that would have given us a little bit more context, a little bit more time with our amazing villain. And I think that probably would have kind of fixed some of the shifting stuff there. But there is something, Brett, that you mentioned, though, is like, Taika Waititi, he's famous for his blend of drama and comedy. Like, he goes seamlessly from one to the other. And I think that in sometimes in these Marvel movies, we just kind of want to sit with these emotions that, that are being put out there. You know, like when you know Thor and, and Jane are having their conversation where they're trying to tell each other that they still love each other. Like, that's kind of the primest example is where like he doesn't rush that moment he lets that moment breathe a lot but there's a lot of times where we just want to feel sad like you know that all of the Asgardians children are gone and we just kind of are just going go and go 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 and we don't really get to feel the sadness of that community so much as you know oh well that sucks that their kids are gone you know what I mean like so there's sometimes where like Waititi works against kind of the narrative grain like that and again just some of those cartilage type things might have made this a more smooth movie but that being said I still love this movie i still loved what it had to say about the marvel cinematic universe and the characters that it was portraying i i think what we can do is actually start right away with christian bale because i did want to dive into some of the performances here brett did you have a response to that or do you want to talk no, more no, about bale? bale yes about bale because okay uh, well I, yeah well well i would just say you know like let's dive right into it because a lot of the other established characters we are carrying over from the other thor uh, films but i want to particularly talk about bale and i also want to talk about jane foster and natalie portman as well um but yeah with christian bale go ahead brett take it away well i was reading uh and and i guess it was the re- a review in the uh new york let's see hmm, new york times was it anyway anyway that was quoting i should, well if i'm going to quote it i should quote it correctly um, New Oh New York Magazine under Vulture. So it was. Uh, let's see. I don't think Christian Bale set out to undermine the rest of Thor: Love and Thunder by giving a good performance. Um, I'm just I not think, going. I think that's an well, unfair headline, um, but <laughs> I th- well, I'm like going well. Um, it's something that I uh, kind of agree with there. I'm like going, you know. I mean, he has such gravitas and such an amazing actor that you know he can't. I don't know. I don't know. I, anyway, we'll continue on with his performance and then we'll get to my other thoughts. I have a few. <laughs> sure. That's fine. Uh, and you know, negative city coming over here from beyond the mouse man. Uh, but us Marvel Sorry. fanboys will continue to spread the love on Christian Bale. I will agree with you, Jeremy, that I think that had we had more time with him, that might've cut into some of the Taika humor that, kind of got on my nerves the the con- constant humor and jokes in this film <laughs> that didn't necessarily always land maybe if we had it more grounded in that uh, villain atmosphere we got to see a little bit more of christian bale because you see him at the beginning and he is such a, a fallen and broken man and even when he is you you see he finds his god and at that point Ooh. it's like he goes back he shifts back to 
this worshiper of this God and to see like the light really leave his eyes. in that scene is just so incredible. And then, yeah, you kind of get this yada yada in the beginning half of the film where it's just like, Oh yeah, Gore is out there and he's uh, killing all these gods, but you don't necessarily get to see that full transition from this broken man who's lost his daughter and really lost his entire society and civilization mm. to then seeing what he has become and the uh, again like the 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 creature almost he's become almost like a a Voldemort type of of change here right from Tom Riddle really because you see like he's no longer this human or this uh humanoid type wherever you know wherever he's from yeah. but it, it's just like it's i do wish that we had a little bit more time with him the stuff in the shadow realm was terrifying i mean he <laughs> was going back and forth from being uh, menacing and then he would have those moments of laughter that was just kind of a crazed laughter that was just incredible uh to see i i think that marvel for a long time had been criticized for their villains right their villains were too soft or they were too easy or whatever the case may be and they really have corrected that over the last five years they've really delved deep into these characters and brought their side to life as well because there's a little bit of humanity and empathy that you can show to a villain like thanos and a villain now like gore because like you see why this happened you you it's very clear why he's making these wrong decisions and why he's deciding that all gods must die because the God he worshiped failed him. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very fascinating contrast. First of all, the cold open of this film is one of the best I've seen in any movie and definitely one of the best in Marvel, just from that desert shadow walking scape through to him making his vow of all gods must die into the killer metal version of the Marvel fanfare. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I just love what we're doing there. And let's call out the actor, uh, Johnny Brooke, who brew, who is a uh, Taika Waititi mainstay. He was in uh, what we do with the, uh, what we do in the shadows, the original film. Um, and, playing Rapu, the god there, and you're right, like, this is such a slap in the face. It's not even just that the god is indifferent. He's actually contemptuous towards <laughs> towards Gore. He's actually, like, he throws fruit at him and calls him a dog and, like, is laughing in his face and stuff. And then when you see this, like, deceased body on the floor, which I have a feeling might be Ka, the god of the Shadow Realm, which is a deep cut from Marvel lore, um, just in case anybody's wondering, but of course, no way of knowing that. Um, oh, but thank you. Thank you yes, for that. I but, just love your deep dives there you go it it is it's like from the 50s of marvel comics it is such a deep cut um but that's because they didn't have the rights to the symbiotes where the necrosword really comes from but the thing about this scene though is is that it does like thanos like um all the other great villains of the marvel cinematic universe it lets you understand the villain's drive and his motivation. And when you think about like, I'm, you know, when you think about having to bury your daughter from dying of starvation because your God couldn't be bothered to like come down there and help you, even though you've been faithful and worshiping. And then I looked again at the drawings that she was drawing on the rock. They were drawings of the God of Rapu trying, trying her best to impede or to beseech him to, to do something, to save them. Like it, it is such a thing where I'm just like, and then you meet the rest of the gods in this movie. And it's just like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should just off all of these guys because they kind of suck. Um, and so I think that what that gives us is such an empathy point for Gore. 
And, you know, and it sets up that amazing finale scene when we get into um, Eternity and his realm. And it's just like it gives you such a great contrast as to what Gore is up to. And again, I think if we would have gotten to see his rampage a little bit more, it would have made that switch at the end, that decision he makes at the end to choose love as he implores Thor to do in the Shadow Realm when he's got them trapped. Um, I think that that would be even more of a shift and even more of a gut wrench um, for us at the end. But all in all, an amazing performance. You're right. That scene, especially where he's got all three of them trapped in the Shadow Realm and he's just going one to the other and just undressing and breaking down all of their deepest fears and desires. Just amazing work from an amazing actor. Um, Christian Bale, I think alone is worth the price of admission to this movie. I would, I would agree with that. Brett, do you have any other comments on Bale's performance before we move on to Portman? Because I do want to talk about her. Well, I think his performance was so good and apparently his storyline so rich that why doesn't he have a film? You know, well, because I think, I think it could have been this. I had yeah. the problem that I had with this film, um, especially with not really with his performance, but I'm thinking a lesser, uh, still good, but lesser actor might have been a better fit for this. I don't know, um, because they're telling they're telling different stories. And this he they were like two different films. It was like several different films. But but I'm like going, I, I just didn't get that i want to see 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 jeremy i want to see your film i want to see the film <laughs> where he is you know the lead and we get you know some you know i don't know throwback 50s you know yeah. marvel superhero that you know can deal with his world a little bit better and maybe a different director oh am i asking for a different film oh my uh, we'll stay in the <laughs> i'll stay in this film well okay yeah and i'll Come just back and really visit, to me, visit with summer, me a little later summer films brad i keep coming well, back to that you like this for a summer film but yeah you a low bar for those well, summer films. And, and i will tell you like in the jason aaron run gore actually doesn't just have a daughter he has two children he has a daughter and a son and a wife who all die of starvation before him um you know he's trying hard and then once that happens he becomes atheistic and he tries to get his community that still exists uh, to see that the gods don't care and they actually shun him and, and beat him for his blasphemy see, and such that, so no, there's, that's a film so there's a that's lot a there's a lot of rich stuff as to why the vengeance runs so deep and why the necro sword chooses him um you know in in that storyline but again you're right it would have been cool i mean hell yes miniseries gore gore the miniseries fine but i don't well, think no, you'll get bailed back it could but... be their oscar grab you know a real serious you know marvel film. i don't quite think you'll get christian bale back i think this is probably he's usually like a one and done on most of his projects but uh what are you gonna do well yeah you know and i I do want to talk i i think i pushed i want to push back a bit on the idea that it's two different stories because ultimately in a way this story is so much about that idea and concept of love and what what you will do for love and if gods can feel uh, love one of the other What's that? And if gods can feel love, like, can they even feel it? Can eternal beings even grasp the concept of a finite thing like love? Yeah, no, I, and I think that like, that's what uh, I, you know, to use the word again, that's what I really took from this. I really, I really loved from the film was that it interwove these different ideas of like what you would do for that concept of love. And one of them, I, I was worried about bringing mighty Thor into this, because of course you're going to get that uh, fanboy reaction <laughs> to say like only men can be superheroes and blah, blah, blah. So why are we having she can't be Thor. I mean, if you look on any comment thread that Marvel's posting right now, you'll see those. And in the Jason Aaron run, I feel like 
Mighty Thor was established in a great way. And, and same with how they brought her into this and how they brought her into this storyline. The idea that she has cancer and that she's dying and she's trying her hardest to continue her work even through the cancer treatments. And then you know what? Maybe she needs to go and check out new Asgard and see what might be uh, possible for her there. And then Molnir chooses her. But why does Molnir choose her? We get that excellent flashback oh, scene yeah. between Thor and her and where he basically tells Molnir to watch out for her. And then we know that that's that is how um, the Odin charm Molnir man. expressed the worthiness of jane because jane is the person that thor loves and so it's just incredible how they wove that into it and it made sense in that moment it's easy to for me to understand even not knowing necessarily the deep cuts of the jason aaron run to know that like she makes sense in this role and so i was worried because you know famously natalie portman was done with the mcu and apparently money does a lot of things Right. But we don't know what she got paid out for this, but certainly I think part of the reason maybe she came back was because she knows that this could have an impact on uh, on people out there. And I think that Mighty Thor worked pretty well. But uh, Jeremy, we'll go to you first and then we'll see what negative Nancy over there in the corner says <laughs> about Portman. No, I, I think she do, is a great addition back into this story. And you're right, like with love being like, you know, not just the clever title. And we'll definitely get into my emotional reaction to the reveal of what that title means. Um, but like it is a movie about, you know, when you think about where Thor is as a character, again, he's dealing with these gigantic concepts of love, of your place in the universe, of who you are, uh, aside from anything, of your own worthiness even. Um, you know, and I think that part of that is that bringing Jane back really gives us not only a closure point for their relationship, but it also gives us a closure point for, um, you know, the idea that, yes, like these eternal beings, these gods can choose love. They can choose to empathize with human beings because if Thor from the comic books and almost in every iteration that you see him in cartoon shows, everything, he is one of the very few gods that chooses to empathize with the humans. Um, in most of the early runs of Thor, the chief conflict is between him and Odin in the fact that he chooses to protect the humans on Midgard, despite the fact that like every guardian continues to tell him like no why are you care about these humans like you know they're below us they you know they don't mean anything but thor always sees an instinctual value in those humans and so what i love about this is that it also personalizes it for thor that even though he's lost so much in his life look at those back tattoos um you know he still has to try to find out where that meaning is and a sneaky part of how this manifests is that conversation he has with star lord before the guardians leave um where you know there's a sneaky bit of great wisdom in what peter quill is telling him there that of course just gets drowned out immediately by the ridiculousness of you know taika and his his way of scripting and shooting things but it is really about like thor is continually trying to search for who he is now his mom sort of starts him on that path in Endgame, saying, you know, like everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. You know, you need to be who you are. And I think that what Star-Lord is trying to tell him is like, you have to find that love. It's what all of us seek. That's exactly the advice he gives to Gore at the end of this movie is just like, why would I choose love? It's because that's all any of us want. That's all any of us ever want when it comes down to it. Um, and so I think that Natalie Portman's character uh, and Jane Foster being back there 
it not only gives us great action sequences, gives us a great new Thor that might return, but it also gives us a deeper understanding of who Thor is as a character. And ultimately, that's what that's the stakes that the MCU has to keep playing in. They have to keep deepening the characters we have while introducing new ones. And I think there's just a knocked out of the park here. She looks great. She you can tell that she's having a ton of fun with it. I love the catchphrases. I really want to know what that last one was um, because it's made me all emotional. But um, I don't know. And I guess I would ask Brett and you guys, do you think that she is gone now? I mean, we saw Valhalla and everything, but is she is Jane Foster done, done, done? Well, all you need is love, Brett. So let's before we answer that, let's get your opinion and your take on uh, Natalie Portman's portrayal here as Jane Foster. Okay. Um, Well, uh, sorry. Um, What I wrote is how I feel. So I will kind of go into that a bit. Feeling is fine. Well, I'm just like going, well, okay. I need to, well, I need to go back just a second. Let's see. Whoever wrote, I'm on the way to seeing the the film. Um, I, I listen on uh, iTunes, you know, the, the score and all these really funny names, you know, the, the names of the songs came up and I'm like going, whoever did that should have been the writer for this show. <laughs> I'm like going, cause they were amazing. Well, one of them is, is um, Jane stop this crazy thing. <laughs> like, like, which is just, you know, so funny <laughs> throwback to yeah Jetsons anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but Okay. Uh, so the question is, I probably, do I need to see more Natalie Portman? F- do I need to see more Natalie Portman films to further appreciate her work? Um, I saw, what is it? Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar okay. winning role. I re- yeah. I, yes. Yes. And I've seen her in um, those prequels to Star Wars. Uh-huh. You have. Well, Taika hasn't, but yeah. Which I entirely, <laughs> yeah. Which I entirely blamed on the, the writer George Lucas um, for her performance and and questionable choices and but I'm like going I, I don't anyway you see where I'm going here um, uh, let's yeah. see I, I mean the thing is the there were parts that I enjoyed but the parts that I didn't enjoy in her performance you know sort of torpedoed her performance in my estimation I'm like can Natalie Portman do funny. I'm like going, you know, her her throwaway lines. I'm just like going, you know, this rom-com sort of theme where she, you know, and, and her taglines and all this. I'm like going, none of that was funny to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, the struggle to find, you know, I mean, there should be some humor there. And it just was lame. It just landed completely wrong for me. So, you know, whereas at one time I blamed George Lucas, but I'm like going, there were really good people that that took his words and, you know, made him okay. I'm like going, I think I have to blame Natalie Portman. So again, the question is, do I need to watch more Natalie Portman films to appreciate her work? And number two, must I? I don't I don't know if you need more for comedy, but two other really good examples, her first one, Leon the Professional, or Closer, um, are two very good examples of her talent. Okay, I'm thinking um, yeah, drama, yeah. But yeah like, well, drama. Are there any comedies? And I would throw out there all? the all of us, maybe even a group viewing after this recording, we all need to watch the Natalie Portman rap from SNL. Because okay, yeah, that, that is truly that's pretty the, ridiculously that's funny. <laughs> of her comedic okay. gold. But no, I... Great. I, I think that, and maybe that's like what I'm saying about the the comedy not necessarily always landing for me, but I don't know if I saw that in her performance as much. I, 
I enjoyed kind of the, a bit of the awkwardness of her kind of like fitting into the fact that she's become the superhero. I yeah. like that it then didn't that feel as comfortable to her. To that. Yeah. It, it I, I enjoyed that. It didn't surfacing. necessarily feel like, um, well, you know, she's, she's not this God that's been raised like Thor has, right. and she's trying Clearly. to figure it out as she goes along. Yeah. Here. And I think the best version of that is like that conversation they have when they first get to omnipotent city, where she's talking about catchphrases and, you know, like how to do like all that stuff. That is kind of like this funny way of doing the insecurity of like being, having the power of a God all of a sudden, um, yeah. which I think that one like kind of landed good. But again, like her, her main focus in this film. And again, this is why I wish we would have had more time. Maybe we could have gotten more of this that you know the jason aaron run really does give you such a great sense of the cost of her continually becoming thor we really only get a few scenes uh, that describe that um you know uh, that heartbreaking scene with the flashback where we learned that her mother also died from cancer um you know like and then but like we only really get it once they kind of lose that uh, shadow realm battle to gore where it's just like oh you know if you do this one more time it'll kill you we really kind of needed a little bit more context, I think, you know, like I think it would have been better to have a few more scenes of what that was doing. Maybe it's a call from Eric Selvig again, telling her, you know, like this is torching your immune system or something like that. You know what I mean? So I think that that would have helped a little bit more to give the stakes of her final appearance. Um, even though I think Hemsworth played it very well. Um, so, you know, again, I think that there was a good 10, 15 minutes more in this movie we could have had that would have helped with a lot of these these little gripes that I have um, all over the place. And here she is on a bed before she decides to go to uh, help Thor. And then she's I mean, she's like her makeup is like very gone. Like she looks like she is dead. Yeah. Uh, and then she's in eternity, uh, eternity and she's like looking just fine. So the makeup <laughs> on that day was a little bit like. Uh, off, but I, I will say I, I did still really enjoy the performance. Now, getting back to your question of whether or not she's gone, no one is dead in comic books, and that is the same <laughs> in comic book movies. Perhaps maybe Aunt May takes the Uncle Ben role. Uh, spoilers out there for Spider-Man No Way Home. But other than the joke has always been that other than Uncle Ben, everyone else yeah. is fair game to come back to life. And so we do see her in the final post credit scene in Valhalla and uh, she's greeted by Idris Elba which if you were to tell me back that money truck ago, up woo! <laughs> if you were to tell me five years ago who are the least likely people to return to the MCU I probably would have said Hugo Weaving I would have said Natalie Portman oh. and I would have said Idris Elba. Hugo Weaving's we not go. coming. We got two of the three. Hugo Weaving's not coming anywhere near Marvel again. I don't think. I think he is very sincere in his belief to not want to do any genre films anymore. And, um, and I thought Idris Elba was the same, but yeah, but Idris, I think you know he could have some fun with Taika and stuff. But here's the other thing, though, is just like with with that question, why I ask it to you guys is because we now we've seen um, in the MCU we've seen at least three afterlives now. We've seen the Egyptian Duat, we've seen the Ancestral Plane for Black Panther, and now we've seen Valhalla. And I think the implication that we should be drawing from this is that there is an afterlife where all of our deceased, you know, MCU characters have gone in some way. Um, you know, the... Um, the hippo god, God, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name, um, from Moon Knight said that, you know, like, this is just one plane 
of the afterlife, what, what they were experiencing in Moon Knight. So I think that there's an infinite number of them. Um, you know, my, my boy uh, Eric Voss at the New Rockstars said that he thought that that was probably, you know, like you could call this like a purgatory type state, these afterlife realms that then maybe lead into reincarnation or into other dimensions or something like that um, as, a, as a sense of the afterlife. So I think I'm wondering if the point of showing us all these afterlifes is to set up the possibility that not only these characters do come back, but maybe like if we do go to a secret wars, like everybody, every realm, everything is coming back into the play here. Um, and I think that would put potentially Robert Downey Jr. back in play. That would put, you know, like I don't want that personally. I like that we have finiteness to some of these characters. But, uh, you know, uh, the the Marvel after credit scenes have been very forward building uh, in phase four. And so I think that, you know, aside from like Pizza Papa and Doctor Strange, but um, it, but it's like, you know, I'm wondering if that is something. Do you think that these realms are, quote unquote, in play um, in the storytelling of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or was it just, hey, Jane got to a happy place and she gets to not suffer anymore and be in a paradise type place? But we knew that she was going to Valhalla because she did the gold sparkly thing. Yeah, she was... died in battle. <laughs> Yeah, which was, by the way, the, uh, the along with uh, Lady Sif's arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the wonderful play that we saw in New Asgard. But, you know, like, it, so we already knew that. So I do think that in my mind, everything's in play all the time, especially in this idea of multiverses and everything else. I think that uh, some of this is just going to get wilder and wilder as we go along here. And I think that absolutely everything could be in play. But yeah. uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Brett? I, I will leave it to the experts and say, why not? Sure. He's like, that's a little too nerdy for me. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I'm like going, no, I th keep it all open, you know, because yeah. if we can have another end game, you know, scene when they all come back and win, oh, it, it'll like going, oh my gosh, I'll put my post down right now. It's going to be bigger than end game. If they're doing oh, a wow. secret wars thing for like a capstone of what we're here having now, it's going to okay. be even bigger than end game. Okay, great. I'll start. Um, hoarding tissues there you go <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so i do we've talked gosh we've been going on for nearly 40 minutes or so and we haven't even talked about chris chris hemsworth as thor oh that guy and i want to talk about him in just a little bit and then instead of like going through the rest of our cast of characters i'd really like to just start diving into some other aspects of the film that we want to chat about but this man was just born to play thor right <laughs> and i'm glad that he loves it as much as we love seeing him because i think that he's going to be around for as long as uh, he wants to be and as long as marvel keeps pumping out these movies it just seems like he has such a great time doing it and especially the last two films i mean you all mentioned ragnarok and sort of how he established more of this like rocker kind of thor and he's really brought that into in game and then we get to see that kind of transformation from fat thor back down to the his skinny god form god thor bod to god bod of this and it's just like it it really is uh just a perfect casting i mean going back to what 2009 2010 when he was cast in this role just perfect you couldn't have gotten any better than this right jer yeah and i i still always like to look back at the two people he was up against were uh jared padalecki from supernatural um that was a finalist and then also one mr tom hiddleston was his yeah. other competition for thor um which is uh pretty funny to me but um yeah i think look chris hemsworth again like we are you're talking about a character that's gone through a lot of trauma and then, but I love where we leave him 
in this movie. I love that, you know, what seems like a throwaway line in the middle of the film where Korg tells us, I thought, I think Thor would have made a good father. And now he is one. He is a father at the end of this movie. And I think that that is really kind of the best part of this is that Thor, you know, it's not the love that he thinks he's going to find with, with Jane in the middle of this film, but he does find not only, you know, the embodiment of love in this little girl whose name is love, who might be the abstract God of love that we see in the Marvel comics. Um, but also, you know, that Thor does find his purpose in not only protecting this girl, but teaching her what he's been taught in his life, mm-hmm. all the valuable lessons that he's learned. Because honestly, we don't know how much power this girl has. <laughs> like she's born from eternity, who is literally like in the Marvel comics hierarchy. He is the second tallest tier of God power in the Marvel comics. So, you know, like she might have this insurmountable power, but the fact that we let Thor kind of, if Ragnarok was like the deconstruction of like the Thor mythos in a way and like the kind of bravado of what Thor is as a hero, then this I think is the building him back up as a, once again, like I said, from his comics runs, a caring, empathetic person that can impart godly wisdom without having the arrogance of the other gods. Because that was the other big takeaway was the contrast of him from say, you know, Russell Crowe's Zeus, who I thought was absolutely hilarious in this movie. Um, and all the other gods who are just really just kind of up there a especially like i said rapu at the beginning like there is so much like contrast between what thor is and what they are and that is because of his experiences and because of his human interactions and so i love that now you know thor isn't the fish out of water anymore he's learned all the lessons from us and all that and now he gets to impart that on somebody who's probably even more powerful than he is if infinitely smaller and of course i love that that girl is played by his real life daughter which is pretty fun um so yeah, I think Hemsworth, again, deepening the character in a really good, meaningful way for all of us that moves him forward. I'm oh. talking about Taika just trolling all of us with using Sweet Child of Mine yeah. so frequently. In Put the it out there right at the beginning. <laughs> just so funny. And then, of course, the title, Love and Thunder, which we get as the last line of this film. But, Brett, you were about to say something before I cut you off. Well, first of all, Jeremy, thank you. You are a breath. Your breadth of knowledge and the way that you can, you know, give us the the four one one. I'm like going. I it makes the movie much more clear. So thank yeah, you. For there that. you go. I very much appreciate that. So you know, as a sort of a um, a fan and not well, I don't know the the levels of fandom. You go there, and I'm very thankful for that. So right. thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm like going, I'm, I'm seeing this film through your eyes um, <laughs> and I'm liking it more. Uh, unfortunately, I did not see it through your eyes when I was watching it the first two times. And so, you know, maybe all right. anyway, third time will be a charm. But back to uh, back to Thor and Chris Hemsworth. Now, OK, I, you know, I, obviously he's an extremely talented actor. And after Ghostbusters and Thor Ragnarok, we clearly find out that he has the chops to do comedy really well. I mean, amazing. But what I want to see is his Academy Award or award season film and that performance because I'm ready for that. And he has it in him because in Endgame, when, you know, when they mention, uh, when they uh, mention, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. um, rock guy, anyway. Korg, yeah. Um, no, 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 not rock guy. Um James Brolin's character. Uh, Thanos, yeah. Thanos. 
So when they mention Thanos, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. has that moment where kind of like a fugue state see, thing. Yeah. We get to see so many emotions there, and it's so clear that that he can do that in that moment in that film. There is more, and I want to see it. So yeah. I'm I want to see his next film, and please, someone give him that opportunity. You know, I mean, have a Nicole you know, Kidman moment and put a nose on him or something. I don't know. You know, do something. Well, he is Just playing, uh, he is supposedly playing Hulk Hogan coming up in a biopic. So maybe that's the one. Uh <laughs> yeah, that'll be it. Gosh, that just has Oscar season and award season all over it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it is fun. Like you talk about that. That was a great scene in Endgame. And again, you know, he kind of deals with that through that conversation he gets to have yes. with his mother, that last closure he gets with her. Um, and again, bringing it forward. And, you know, Craig mentioned it uh, just a little bit ago, but like the, the explanation of the love and thunder title, like I just, I was not ready for that when it yeah, happened there. Sweet. Like I, cause I just, I literally teared up because it was just like, Oh my God. Cause you know, he's, he's sitting there with moments, his narration, yeah. you know, like those that know them best know them as love and thunder. And it's just like, my God, it was right there yeah, the whole time. Was. Yeah, that was good. I yeah. appreciated that. But you know, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm ready to see Chris Hems Hemsworth's Oscar film. I'm yeah. ready. Sure. Please. I think he's happen. got it in him. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> and we're waiting for Craig. And I will I will tell you this too. I think that there is um there is a great kind of you, you kind of expect this sort of uh performance from Hemsworth in these movies now, but I like mm -hmm. that he's still able to like give us some of these amazing badass moments like when he imbues oh, sure. the kids with all the power of Thor. That <laughs> might know. be one of the most bonkers things I've ever seen great. on film. Yeah, and it was yeah. so much fun seeing yeah. these little kids just like mark yes. out with the power They're of bunny, Thor. You know, that, yeah, yeah, the the freaking laser bunny and all that. Yeah. Um really really fun stuff there. That is an epic moment. Um and again like it's it's just one of those factors that we're Thor is starting to understand what his power is and I think we're going to be getting a lot more of a kind of Odin like uh, Thor in terms of you know how he understands his place in the hierarchy of the gods in the universe um, but that also might come to pass and that might also come with some conflict with of course our first post credit scene which was Zeus uh, kind of forebodingly sending his son Hercules uh, after Thor it seems so I don't know Craig do you think that maybe Roy can't yeah do you do, like going into that post credit scene do you think that maybe thor 5 is going to be like a battle of the gods type thing absolutely i think so uh, i think it's going to be uh quite epic and i think that's where valhalla might come in play as well so we have a lot of opportunities to see sort of more of the gods fighting amongst each other maybe even some more bad accents uh from some of our gods as oh, well please. we might be able to see oh, that oh gosh. please explain do no, not I'm like, like, no, don't I'm you like dare going, russell crowe i mean i defended you as jean valjean and les mis but i'm a i cannot oh come on guys no, this, no, that, was no, a, no, that was a that was a rough no. accent like going, jeremy that's a, that's a greek like going, accent <laughs> I mean, come on. greek yeah that's it's what he's greek. going for it's a little Russian-y, okay. too, but whatever. <laughs> it's a little Russian-y. Well, it was, it was not. It was. I'll it tell was you this. Like, as, perfection of accent aside, I mean, I'm, maybe he just watched my big fat Greek wedding and just went with it. I don't know. But <laughs> here's the thing, though. It's just like, you know, Zeus is a Greek god, so I appreciate at least, like, you know. So. the Why is he Roman? I'm like going, I didn't get it. And then I'm like going, it made me long, long for his non-accented gladiator. <laughs> I'm like going. You know, put I'm some sandals on him, and you know, well, well take the again, sandals off. Don't let playing, him do this again. We're playing. Like, we're was playing he the only in the person available in Australia. 
What is this? I didn't get it. We're playing like in going, the YTD sandbox, man. Like he's just going. He's matching the ridiculousness. He, you know, I'm like, going, he just looks like a joke when he does that. Well, you but know, I, I has, think that that's the point. I think that that's the point. I know, but is, I mean, but I'm like going, but you have, but you had Jean Valjean in your, you know, in your back pocket there, so which no one has forgotten. But I mean, I mean like you know, anyway. c- consider where, consider what we saw of him in the movie. Where, and again, I think that he's going for, he's going for like over the top jokingness, like the when he does his, flourish? when no, he does that I little walk, so. that skirt like, flourish, like, that no, that cracked like me going, up so much, cracked me up so much. Was, yeah, I'm like, if you're gonna do it, do it. You know, like, I love that I started like a know, I'm just like going, nah. no, no, just no. But then like, but like, again, contrast just that one moment that it, you would say that that was probably peak ridiculous for him in this movie. Right. The little skirt flourish before he walks oh down the stairs. Gosh. Like, so was, contrast that with literally, literally the next shot is a darker lit shot of him being serious with Thor talking about how he is scared of gore and how, yeah, you know, know, he doesn't want to panic people. So I think like the affectation of like this, you know, aloof, yeah, like, right. you know, performative like God going. is what Zeus puts on there. And then you definitely contrast that with the post credit scene where he is now vengeful and he oh, is please. now there. I think that you are going to see. If they oh, go please this no. route, please no. If no, they no, go no. this route, no, 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 no. no. do not want him in anything else. No, no, he's done. This was his Marvel movie. Bye, bye. I think that if you see if they go this route, you're going to see a much oh, more serious, much gosh. more, much more fearsome. Will he be better? Yes, oh, I, th- oh, I think. I think that yes. this was I a perfectly played part. He literally goes up to Thor after he does his serious I talk know, about but why. I'm not going- like why he, why he's scared of him and he literally says to him so just chill baby cakes like come on yeah, that is so hilarious just chill, baby cakes absolutely in, hilarious yes, in another actor's performance that might have been better well i'll um, tell you we we no. honestly we've covered an awful lot and we are um going on already an hour nice here time. so anyway. let's just start to actually I, I know we haven't necessarily talked about a ton of favorite scenes and things like that. Certainly we've covered at least uh, from Brett's little zoom box, the things that we thought <laughs> didn't work for this film, but is there any final thoughts that you all have? And I'll go to Brett, you first. Oh, okay. Well, as I've said, I've seen this film two times and you know, I'm looking forward to watching it on Disney plus where maybe third time will be a charm. <laughs> okay. Now with my new knowledge, I bet it will be. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you. I appreciate it. The the scales have fallen off and fallen away from my eyes. Jeremy, we were giddy about the mid-credits mm-hmm. scene and with Roy Kent and Brett Goldstein joining the MCU. Yeah. We did see the rumors beforehand, but uh, they were true this time, yeah. which was great. Lo and behold, and I think it's an inspired choice. Um, you know, I'm anxious to see if it is just Roy Kent in God form. Um, but Brett's, Brett's actually a pretty good actor. He's done a lot of stuff before Ted Lasso. Um, and he, I think he's got the chops to do it. But also, like, in the, like, sort of 60s to 70s Thor run, like, Hercules is the chief rival of Thor, like, on and off again all throughout those two decades. So I think what will be cool is if we do do a Battle of the Gods type thing and you follow through on, you know, whether or not he's in the movie or not, but whether you throw follow through with Russell Crowe with Zeus's threat of you know they will fear us again and stuff like that and sending Hercules out to kill Thor Odinson you know I think that this could be an interesting way to kind of clear the field a little bit for a Secret Wars event or for maybe like a big Kang takeover Um, because you know if the gods aren't there anymore there's no real giant power hierarchy to stop someone like a Kang from taking over all of the realms so 
because um, remember, he is still out there. Jonathan Majors is still coming. Loki season two uh, next year, I believe. Um, but I do love Brett Goldstein in this role. He's got this like raw and again it's weird because you know when you first see him he's the stand-up comedian with this jovial voice but you know like through Roy Kent and that he really does have this kind of primal presence um when you think about it and he has this um I think demeanor that can really be a good contrast to Thor which is funny because in the comic books Thor is the more serious one and Hercules is the more kind of hedonistic like free flow and rock star god that they that's how they clash heads now they're really kind of looking like they're doing a polar opposite um as Thor has turned into kind of like the goofy god um and now it looks like they're going to put Hercules there but I obviously my love of Brett Goldstein Goldstein is immense um as should everybody's be and i think that he is going to be a very good welcome addition hercules plays a lot of very vital parts in a lot of really really good marvel crossover storylines so i'm anxious to see what he's going to do um in the mcu and welcome brett welcome i'm glad the rumors were true absolutely do you have final thoughts on thor love and thunder yeah, again, I think that there are some gripes about the movie. We've, you know, discussed them here, but don't let it deter you from just having a good time with it. Like we didn't even talk about like just this bonkers opening with the Guardians fighting these like weird bird creatures that all they do is just scream like they're at a Metallica concert. Like it is it is absolutely ridiculous and like Thor does like a Jean-Claude Van Damme like split stop on these two like yes. like galactic bikes. I mean, come on. There's just you have to go into this film, I think just willing knowing that you're going to have fun with it that it's going to have what Ragnarok had in terms of humor and all that but that there is some kind of deeper meanings that are happening here and so one way I heard it described is that if Ragnarok is tearing everything down this is kind of Waititi showing that he can build up that he can put some flags and rebuild the world that he tore down in Ragnarok um, in a way that can actually expand out and I think that you know with him doing a new Star Wars film and stuff like this is a perfect example of how he can take that cosmic craziness that marvel has in its canon and really kind of ground it a little bit and make it so that it's something we can understand gore's storyline as just the helpless victim of the god's indifference that's definitely something that can uh, be relatable and empathetic and you know now that we have thor the father um as this with a child now i think we're definitely going to get even more of a sense of trying to protect you know this girl from she might not even need it with her power set but you know from these other gods that are now vengeful of their power being usurped and as zeus says being laughed at um so you know i think that this movie is a really fun time it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of tears that w- that can get you, um, but you have to just want to have some fun with it. Um, don't go into it expecting Oscars. Go into it expecting fun, and that's what I think is the best way to do this. It's definitely not 69%. I mean, that's just a joke. I understand why critics don't like this film. It's you know filled with these cut cartilage scenes, but it is, I still think, a very welcome uh, addition to the Marvel canon, so go out and see it. I am for one and looking forward to continued stories of both love and thunder. And yes. I am excited to see where this goes from here, but gentlemen, this has been fun to do like six shows at once. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> even know how we're going to sign this off because we can talk about beyond the mouse. We can talk about Marvel HQ. We can talk about the front row network and full disclosure and heck we even threw some peanut butter and biscuits in there too. So this <laughs> is, you. uh, this is quite the 
this this is an insane episode for Just sure. Everybody it's, it's... go to the Front Row Network's Facebook page. You can find everything there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can find everything at uh, the Front Row Network for sure. And I, I just am excited to continue to see what Marvel puts out there into the world. And hey, uh, even more future Disney and Disneyland opportunities. The Mighty Thor is meeting in Avengers Campus as we speak. So yeah. they got her out there right away, which is just wonderful to see her represented in the parks uh, as well. And then now we really will get to see Roy Kent on the screen, continuing even past uh, Peanut Butter and Biscuits and Ted Lasso if season three does ultimately end up being this, the last season. Roy Kent's going to be on our screen for a long time to come, and that's a good thing uh, in Brett Goldstein for sure. Yeah. So. I think from there, we're just going to wrap this up. So for Beyond the Mouse, Marvel HQ, Full Disclosure, and Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Craig. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon. Remember to be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. In the front row, for sure. (laughs) 